You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget here on Moody Radio 89.3. Well, we see the stories, we hear the headlines of youth walking away from their faith. Well, several ministry organizations here in South Florida are putting together an all-day conference for youth leaders to help them know how to create faith that sticks, sticky faith, imparting a faith that lasts past high school. And here to tell us all about it is Pastor Dwayne Eslick. Pastor Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us. Such an honor and privilege to be here. I was just telling them when I came in, I used to listen to Moody Radio when I was a teenager and I was a janitor at church. And I would have to, back then, I'd have to move my little FM radio just in the right place in Miami Lakes, Florida (laughs) to get the station so I could hear while I cleaned. And so now I'm like in the studio with two great, awesome people. (laughs) That's And it feels just surreal. Um, So you were a a sticky faith person, but I read your bio. It was, it, it didn't come easily, did it? No, I, I well, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but at age 13, uh, my mom was a waitress, and another waitress invited her to church. And that first Sunday, December 3rd, 1989, I went to visit a church, and uh, they shared the gospel with me right afterwards. I asked Jesus to change my life, and he radically changed my mm. life. Wow. Took a guy who was a thief, totally lost, and uh, made me a generous person and <laughs> totally found Wow. And that happened in your youth, in your young years. So did youth group and partnering and getting to know other young believers impact you? Well, I was, I'm super thankful. I know it was totally God because not only did I get, they didn't, the church I got saved at didn't have a youth group. So they put me in Awana with the fourth graders and I started memorizing verses. But what was beautiful was that uh, the Awana leader had me, my brother and my single mom over every Tuesday night for dinner. And so Tuesday night, we would go to their house. I would eat around a kitchen table. And I never, I mean, like a dining room table, I never done that because in my family, we ate in front of a TV. And I was like, wow, we had conversations with adults. And then after we ate, the my Mr. Hansen would take us, to, me and my brother, to the backyard. And we could ask him any questions we wanted and just talk. And then my mom would be with his wife. And uh, he was a mentor. And so I... God put these mentors in my life, and I could count five in my teenage years that God put in my life that helped me get a sticky faith. That's amazing that they took your young family, your single mom family under their wing and said, we're just going to pour into them and minister them. And and it just looked like a dinner. Yep. Around the table. And there's that relationship that Mr. Hansen today, he lives in Texas and his Mm -hmm. wife has Alzheimer's and he Mm -hmm. takes care of her. And I've been able to visit him in Texas and watch him, you know, have to even feed his wife Mm -hmm. and uh, just his patience and how he's just loving his wife even to this day. And he's a role model in my life that prays for me every day almost. Wow. I want to get Mm -hmm. to the the conference, the regroup conference, Mm -hmm. but this, we're going down this road. So we might as well continue on with it. You know, you're talking about. Um, different ways to have a sticky faith. And it starts with that person, ex- you know, taking you to church so you could hear the gospel. Really, the gospel is is vital to this sticky faith, right? Absolutely. So Sticky Faith is a book that came from the Fuller Youth Institute in California. It's a part of Fuller Seminary, and they did research, and they had grants and funding, and they studied 500 students who came from good Christian homes, and good Christian youth groups, and they wanted to see what was the difference between those who stuck with their faith in their young adult years and those who did not. And one of the key elements is a clear understanding of the gospel, not just a gospel that you put on like a jacket and take off, but one that saturates your life and that you understand the grace of God instead of a behavior-based gospel, a grace-based gospel. And so the number one key element obviously starts with the gospel because it transforms you from the inside out. 
And then they found out intergenerational relationships. And so a lot of times in churches, we professionalize youth ministry, and then we start separating the children, the youth, the adults. There's senior citizens ministry, and everybody doesn't connect cross gener- gener- across the generations. Mm-hmm. And so youth, instead of in a youth group, and I was a youth pastor in Chicago for many years, and um, you're doing great if you could get one leader for every five youth. Like your youth ministry is well-staffed, great volunteer team if you have one adult for five youth. Well, with Fuller Youth Institute, they found more important than that was to have every youth have five adults in their life that are spiritual influences. It could be a grandparent, could be a teacher, a coach. But if there's five mentors that are pouring into that youth that are sending them a care package when they're in college, still praying for them, that they have a relationship with, those youth are way more likely to stick with their faith through their young adult years. And so how do you build intergenerational ministries? How do you help people find mentors. Even to me as a parent, because I have three teenagers in my house, I'm like, I'm like, hey, Glenn's coming over for dinner. He works for Youth for Christ. And I'm always inviting Glenn over for dinner. He's in his 70s. He's been working for Youth for Christ for almost, I think, 30, 40 years. And he's been going into jails. And I love to have him around my kids because he's one of my, he, my kids don't know it, but he's one of my top five guys that I want to influence my kids. Yeah. And what, and what I love about that is because of his age, he's looking to pour probably into this next generation. He wants to share the wisdom that he's learned. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, we've had the, the gospel is central and, and key, then uh, having these relationships throughout all different age groups and, uh, you know, the more people who have some seasons behind them is, is helpful for those youth. But also you're saying partnership with families. How does that look? So it's sometimes like, so this could be overwhelming a little bit for a youth pastor or a youth leader because you're like, how do I, do I have to change my whole youth group? Sometimes it's just a paradigm shift. And so like, hey, instead of just doing a trip with the youth, why not do a fishing trip with fathers and sons? Like how do you make your activities include parents more? It could be your regular youth group night. How do you invite parents and have a parent night at your youth group night? So instead of adding like, hey, we're going to do an extra Saturday, but if youth group's on Wednesday or Friday, once a quarter or once every four months, let's have parents come and actually have parents at youth group night. Mm-hmm. And uh, thinking of ways of building relationships and communicating and partnering with parents. And that was the third element. You need these outside mentors that are not necessarily the father or mother or one parent, but you also have to partner with parents because at the end of the day, the parents are the number one influence on a student's faith. And so you to totally ignore parents as a student ministry would be a total unwise thing to do. Because if your parents are the number one influence, no matter how much time, how much effort, how much preparation, how many smoke and lights or activities or uh, paint wars or whatever you do at your youth group, parents are going to still have a greater impact than you have because they're with them more time. And, and so you got to build relationships with those parents and just think, how can we incorporate them and communicate with them with our youth ministry? Let me just ask <laughs> a, a, what I think is a difficult question because there are parents out there who m- will never show up, hmm. let alone to a youth group, but even to church. And um, that that kid, you don't want him to feel isolated or left out. Or How do we, how do we rally around those kids while it's still incorporating parents into a situation. You're preaching to the choir with that question because <laughs> I feel that was my number one thing because I would always hear it here even when I was a youth pastor. It's like, and that was me. Even though my mom came to church with us, she was a single mom, worked second shift. She didn't have a lot of time. And so um, I was adopted by other families. And even when I went to college in Chicago, 
uh, families adopted me, even though I wasn't even, I was already a believer, but you know, I love uh, Hispanic hospitality because I got to eat Sunday after church, all kinds of different <laughs> Mexican food and homemade. And so it's like adopting those kids into the families. But I would say also kind of like, um, don't, don't, don't give up on those parents because it, I, I have families that um, I would go visit the youth at their home. And um, those parents didn't always get on track. Maybe they had addictions. I know I'm thinking of a specific family where their parents still have facing addictions and been in and out of rehab for Mm -hmm. 20 years. And but, you know, you're still sharing the gospel. And if you have their trust, they'll let you take their kid on a mission trip to another country. (laughs) But if you're not visiting them in their home and if they don't know you face to face, they're not going to trust you with their student even if they're from a very dysfunctional home. And so your ministry is never just to the student. Your ministry is to the student, to your youth ministry team, and to the parents. Mm, that's powerful. That may, Like you said, maybe even a paradigm shift for some youth leaders. Now, the last thing that's here that helps create a faith that's sticky is a safe place for doubt. We're talking about faith, but here you're talking about doubt. Uh, unpack that for me. And that one is, um, that's what makes sometimes, even for me, I've been in, I went to Moody Bible Institute, graduated and officially to the year 2000, but was there from 94 to 98. And you have all this preparation. I've taken classes, master level apologetics classes, and I still feel like it could be overwhelming. Some of the questions I get from teenagers and the questions they have now with social media, I'm like, where are you getting this stuff? (laughs) And, uh, but you have to, my initial reaction, even with my own, as a dad is sometimes I want to argue with my kids and I'm going to like convince them and, and I'm going to give them 10 reasons instead of having a conversational kind of approach where I'm a listener, where I'm like, well, what's making you think that versus just giving my quick answer and almost like Creating safe conversations is a a skill almost that you could learn, how to learn how to be a better listener, how to learn how not to overreact because I'm a parent and I'm afraid, like, where are you going? Are you my daughter? Are you my son? (laughs) Is this the same one I baptized, you know? And uh, but realizing it's better for they're going to face doubts. And if they're getting all these questions and they don't have a place to ask them and not feel like they're going to be judged, not feel like they're going to be rejected, not feel like you're going to come down hard on them or that, you know, there's some evil person for having these thoughts pop in their head and wondering, like, how do you know this? And they're taking kids today are taking amazing classes, AP classes full of especially in South Florida. I mean, the school system in South Florida, you got so many students taking AP physical science, AP classes I don't even I never even heard of 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so they got they they're very educated even when they're in high school and you got to be ready to have like answers and not be cocky or proud but be a better listener which I'm speaking to myself as a dad here a little bit too, but and then in youth group letting them and ask those questions and have a place where you can learn together what the answers are. Mm. Uh, that's that sounds so easy, but it really isn't. And I think that's why what you're doing here with this uh, conference is so important because you're going to be uh, not just speaking, but you're going to then be engaging with one another and going through some of these tough things, aren't you? So the the regroup conference, we did it last year for the first time, and our goal is to reach not just the youth pastor, but the whole youth leadership team, so your volunteers. And we'll sit around a table, and each session you'll hear like a TED talk style kind of thing, not a long lecture, but a 12-minute thing hitting home one principle. Then you'll have a panel discussion where four 
people, the four people on that panel discussion, which includes me, have like 100 years of combined youth ministry experience, which is crazy because we feel old. <laughs> but uh, we'll answer live questions from the audience, and then you'll spend about 20 minutes around the table discussing it with your team. Or if you're not with your team, other youth ministry leaders, you can bounce the ideal off. So it's going to be a learning experience, not a conference full of lectures. We're going to walk away where we've chewed on some thoughts a little mm-hmm. bit and you don't feel overwhelmed like a fire hydrant hit you but like okay here's four practical things i could go home with and start thinking through for our youth ministry where when and how does someone sign up so you could go to youthcure.com to sign up that's youthcure c-u-r-e like cure for the common cold youthcure.com and then um, you could register on there it's only ten dollars it's march 11th um it goes up at the door the price but um we're just basically got a lot of volunteers. We got a grant. And so we're just making sure we're covering lunch and making sure people know if they could be there. It's two weeks away, March 11th. It's in Coral Gables at Christ Journey Church. Anyone from South Florida is welcome to join us. And if you don't even have tickets, we'll give you some. Just reach out to us. We want to make sure every youth leader, it'd be great even for senior pastors. Or if a youth group doesn't have a parent liaison, this is a great time to say, hey, we want to reach parents better. Let's bring one parent so they can help us think through some of these things. So you're going to really walk through what we've been talking about here a little deeper and then answer some questions or or try to maybe discuss it in in ways we haven't even thought about during this conversation. That's kind of where you'll be going throughout that day, correct? Absolutely. And it'll be a chance for you to apply it in your own context. Every church culture is different. Our cultures are different. And uh, how this will look in a Haitian-American church is different than maybe a Hispanic church to a a more multicultural church. or It's going to look a little different, but the principles are definitely something you got to work through and think through because that's what's research, well-funded and and, uh, high-level research has shown, that these things will help that struggle in the young adult years to prepare kids for college and to help them have a sticky faith. It's called Regroup. It's a conference for youth leaders, and the theme is Sticky Faith, imparting a faith that lasts past high school. Again, happening on Saturday, March 11th. We've got all the details for you, so you can register at ericandbridget.org. Yeah, it's right there listed for you, Dwayne. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming in yes. and, and really encouraging us. One, we, we've seen um, what can happen when the Holy Spirit moves in the life mm-hmm. of youth, and uh, we pray that. For here in South Florida, and may uh, your youth departments that you're working with here really um, be prepared as uh, students are encouraged by what's happening really around the globe here. And I know you guys are. So uh, this type of event really does help out. So thank you for coming in today. Thank you so much.